I love wine regions that are undeniably authentic and that always over-deliver. For me, that sums up Paso Robles. In fact, the first time I got on a plane in over a year and a half was to visit Paso back in April. Paso Robles sits in the heart of California's Central Coast. It's a big wine region that has many diverse microclimates, and it allows for a stunning array of grapes to thrive. In short, Paso Robles has range. They aren't known for just one or two varietals or wines. They make interesting blends from Cabernet Sauvignon and other Bordeaux varietals, Syrah and Rhone-style wines, Zinfandel, Tempranillo, and they even make beautiful white wines. Side note for you guys, my number one wine of 2020 was a Zinfandel Tempranillo blend from Paso Robles. Just saying. I also love that it's made up of over 200 family-owned wineries. We're talking salt-of-the-earth people who put their heart and soul into their wines. Paso Robles is special, but now the word's getting out. You need to check it out and see for yourself what the buzz is all about. You can learn more at PasoWine.com. That's P-A-S-O Wine.com. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today has amassed a seller's worth of degrees and experiences in wine service and is currently, currently the wine director for Gary's Wine and Marketplace. Please welcome Ms. Brooke Sable. Uh, Brooke has been featured in Real Simple Magazine, Travel and Leisure Magazine, Forbes, Condé Nast Traveler, Psalm Journal, and more. Along with the James Beer Foundation, Brooke has participated in Star Chef Psalm Slam, New Jersey. Psalm, oh, I, Psalm Slam. It's just, it's just, listen, it's just. I, I just, I participated in yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's done a lot of stuff. Uh, the New Jersey Wine and Food Festival and is one of the Somali luminaries for the Nantucket Wine and Food Festival. Brooke was assistant wine director for Borgata Hotel, Casino, and Spa in Atlantic City, where she developed wine lists for culinary masters Bobby Flay, Wolfgang Puck, and Michael Mina. Uh, Brooke also developed a wine program for Sir Richard Branson and New Jersey developer Bob... Wodowitz. Bob Wodowitz, but I'm going to call him Wojohowitz because it just takes me back to watching Barney Miller when I was a kid. But she developed the wine program at uh, Natterar and its award-winning restaurant, 90 Acres, where she held the position of opening wine director. And it was her focus on sustainable, organic, biodynamic, and small production wines that garnered high accolades amongst her peers and the press. Uh, and and also, uh, this is the same Brooke Sable who got called out in the uh, Before the Poor bonus episode. She is finally here. Welcome, Brooke. Thanks, MJ. I'm so happy to finally be here and, uh, you know, to be able to not get called out on yet another Podcast. You like it. You, I know you got called out on uh, drinking on the job the other day. Yep. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass yep. that I love. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brooke, tell, tell, tell people about this first wine we got going right here. So, the first wine that we have um, is 
really, truly near and dear to my heart. I mean, Kathy Corson, um, she is just a rock star in Napa Valley. Um, and she, like myself, um, took a wine class in college that changed her, her life. Um, and so I attempted to bring the very first vintage that she ever made, but realized that I had consumed that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so much for amassing a cellar <laughs> of wine. Yeah, so I, I brought you the next best, which is the 89 vintage. Now, um, 89, she was actually still making um, this at Chapelet. Okay. Um, and this is a cool vintage. But Kathy does so well with ageability with her wines and, and cool vintages um, that she's just a, a badass. Very nice. Very nice. It's uh, delicious. Um, glad I brought the Duran. I'm um, glad you brought the Durand. I just, I just knew you, I was like, you know, cause like Brooke is one of these people, right? So I am like one of those people who, um, nobody, where I'm from, nobody knows who I am. Like I'm a nobody. I grew up in Jersey. I'm like a nobody of Jersey. So I went to this wine dinner with a new friend, Joe Bembry, his wife, Karen was on the podcast and, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, my girl Brooke's coming And Like, so it's like a bunch of wine professionals and. Brooke just casually comes in a little bit late. I don't know if it was on purpose, but like it was like the Red Sea party. Like it was like oh, the Queen is here. I was like, who is this? Who the fuck is this? I was like, who is this? Who's this? And she's like, who's that guy? She's the only one black guy, and it's Joe here. So who the hell is this guy? So like when I saw, I was like, I, so you know, obviously we sat at the same table, got to talk to you, and I was like, and just, just, you know, you're a badass wine badass. So I'm so glad you're here. You know, um, you're one of those. You're like, you're like, um. The Femme Nikita of wine, like I was going to see, you know, like you're like, you're like kind of like a wine, like, like if you know, you know, you're like, <laughs> you know, I probably had have had a drink with that person before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So let's start at the beginning, Brooke. Where, where were you born? I was born in a small town in Wisconsin called Clintonville, just outside of Green Bay. OK. Um, and I'm an only child. And um, so my father realized that when he had a daughter, that um, he wanted to start um, giving me skill sets. Mm -hmm. And so that way I could be an, able to hang out with any man. Um, so the first thing that he did was he put a golf club in my hand. And so at the age of three, I started to play golf. Um, but the one thing was is that I never wanted to wear shoes. And I, I hated practicing, but I was, I was good at it, but I didn't, I didn't, um, like to follow the rules. So you could have been like the, the female Tiger Woods. I wouldn't say that. But instead you want to be like Chevy's chase character and Caddyshack and just out on the green putting at night barefoot. Exactly. No, 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 I've done that before too. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Some some major putts, <laughs> like in the dark after drinks with college friends. Do you have to wear shoes on the course? Yeah, I thought it might I mean, be one of those. One of those. See, that's one of them weird rules. Yeah, I just like the grass. Yeah, I'm like thinking. I, I would I, like I as a just what I know about like like grass is so grounding and just fun. Like I think you'd have a, you'd have a better feel for the the course barefoot. Yeah, and and you get the you can get the grip. Yeah. Between your toes, yep. which is kind of weird, but. Yeah. Um, so, only child. What, what, tell me, like, 
And that explains it why she's a queen. Next now, I'm like, it all makes sense now. It's all starting to come together. Right? Okay, this is a great episode of podcast. Everybody, bye. <laughs> um, so like, um, so you actually had to have friends. Like, so oh, yeah. small town, like small town, kids uh, play on the street type thing. Yes. Um, and my father had a retail grocery business. Okay. Um, and so I was constantly um going to him or going to work with him um and my mother also was a part of um his business and so i was constantly smelling things and and eating things that mm-hmm. i probably shouldn't have um <laughs> and i just i i was very social as a child um my parents always took me out to dinner and i had to converse with adults and we didn't have phones or anything to distract us at tables right and so i i always was loved conversation and especially with older Mm -hmm. um older people so i was always talking (laughs) (laughs) always often got me in trouble in in class i was you know the class clown i was you know chatty kathy got it so um which i can see how if you like why hospitality i mean we'll get to that but like you were used to dealing with adults at a young age like, and you you understand the language of service and 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 as a young person would you say like because when you're a child like you're having conversations but you're still respectful like it just kind of teaches you like there's boundaries in hospitality. Would you say like there's some? Oh, yeah. yeah. And boundaries. And um, I really wanted to get to understand um, where somebody was coming from and enjoy the conversation. Um, That's and deep I, for a kid. I, mean, I, I was pretty deep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there were things that I had to go through, um, you know, that just really gave me that confidence. Um, and... It was it was a lot as a child. Um, I had a, a situation with my mother where I had to take care of her, and it I had to grow up really quick. Um, and so when I was in seventh grade, I had to stay at home and help um, while my father went to work, and that is really truly what what kind of grounded me um, and set even more core values Mm -hmm. with family Mm -hmm. um, and how important family is. And no matter how family um, has its highs, you have to be there for also for the lows. Um, And so I would help take care of her. And then I would also do my homework at the same time. And I got straight A's. So I, I thrive in chaos and pressure, pressure. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so prior to that, did your family do a lot of travel? Extensive. Um, we did a lot of travel. Um, and by extensive, it, it wasn't to on vacations to Europe or or things like that. But it was um, traveling within the United States mm-hmm. and eating and enjoying things along the way. Um, and my grandfather... Um, <clears throat> He was very well traveled. He traveled to 40 different countries. Um, and the very first chance, I was his oldest granddaughter on my mother's side. He took my cousin and I, who was three months younger than than me, um, we went to Walt Di- uh, Disneyland and we had to learn manners. And it was sharing, you know, you press the up button on the elevator, I press the down button. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, so I, I was always in Chicago um, mm-hmm. enjoying a great meal um, or a show or shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Chicago was kind of our all our Chicago's big, your big city. Yeah. Yeah. In the Midwest, Chicago right? was our big city in Minneapolis, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, when I think, like, I don't know, but everybody I know, like from Wisconsin, was like they're going to see him. Like it was, when you know, it was, it was Chicago typically, yeah. um, which is really cool. Um, so it sounds like your parents were loving and generous. Um, what? Um, so you you get in straight A's. You're taking care of your mom, and then it comes time to go to university, mm-hmm. and uh, you decide on. Not University of Wisconsin at Madison. <laughs> you decide on University of Wisconsin Stout. That's where I I there was paths in between, but I eventually ended up at University of Wisconsin Stout because I honestly I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do after high school, um, and so I took a test from a career counselor, and all signs pointed to she needs to be in hospitality. She needs to be entertaining people. She needs to be with people. She needs to be making people laugh. Um, and so the the program at University of Wisconsin-Stout was fourth in the nation at the time okay. behind Cornell, UNLV, and Florida State. Um, and so it was just a shoe-in for me to go. So Yeah, in-state tuition. Mm-hmm. You know, the practical daughter. And it was far enough away. It was about three and a half hours away. And where it was like kind of a pain for my parents to come visit. (laughs) But it was also accessible for them to come visit. And also like, I need to do laundry. Let me go home this weekend. Exactly. Like, you know what? I'm going to go home this weekend. <laughs> exactly. Or all my high school friends, you know, were coming home, Yeah. <laughs> for homecoming and, you know, who's throwing the party. <clears throat> so before you landed there, you said you took that test. Like, um, so once you went there, you know what you're going to major in? Did you, you know, so how many years did you spend there? So I spent um, the full four years okay. at University of Wisconsin South. Um, and I was, my path there was more in the golf management, um, but in the hospitality side. So that way, because again, I don't like to practice and I don't like to wear shoes, that um, I can still be involved in the golf industry because it's something Mm -hmm. that I loved and loved being around and something that I was comfortable with. Um, And then I took a wine class. Right. I was going to say in the intro, you said um, why you brought this wine was because uh, you have, you feel, what's that word? A connection with Kathy because she took a wine class and so what ha- what what class was that and how did that put you on this new trajectory that brought you here today with so. me? You're so happy you did that, right? Yes. <laughs> so it it was a it was a wine class. It was called Wine and Spirits, and um, it was on a Thursday night. And first things first, let me just say I got through. Four years of college without a Friday class. That's how you do it. <clears throat> That's how you do it. Um, I know uh, four years. Like, that's <sighs> you are the queen. It's, it's like, <laughs> that reminds me of that scene. You never see PCU? Yeah. <laughs> when Pippin goes, he goes, first of all, class is nothing before noon and on Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, okay. And because of that. When I went to college, 
th- like Thursday night was when you started your weekend. So you had this class for wines and spirits. On Thursday. Okay. Yeah, so I looked at it as pre-gaming, and I took it with one of my college roommates, and um, it only was a block away from our house because I lived in the sorority house. And so we just looked at it as pre-gaming before the bar, and it was the class – The prof- it was that one professor that – fills up a class in like 30 seconds mm-hmm. because he's just so passionate and just so driven and so engaging. And so Thursday night. And he got drinks. Really, and, and you got, I mean, to, you got to drink There is that credit. one professor, but then throwing some alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's a wrap. So, so I just, I remember it distinctly. Um, it was a big lecture hall and there was, you know, a couple hundred students and it was six Sauvignon Blancs in front of me and they were all blind. And I just remember picking up the glasses and smelling and, and all of a sudden this out of body experience just happened. I was like, I smell lemongrass. I smell honeysuckle. I smell this. I smell that. And it was just crazy. And the professor said to me, it's like, Brooke, um, I need to see you after class. And I thought it was because I was drinking all my roommates' wine. <laughs> I'm getting like way too chatty. Like I'm I'm the trouble child. And he came up to me and he's like, um, I have to ask, has wine been a part of your lifestyle growing up? And I said, no, my mother really doesn't drink. And my father drinks scotch. <laughs> and Prefers he, the Cuddy Sark. <laughs> and uh, he said... I just have to tell you, your palate is one of the most advanced palates I've ever seen. Do you know you can make a career out of wine? And I said, excuse me, what? <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I, my eyes just like exploded. You know, it was like, wow, okay, I could do this for a living. So I didn't go to the bar that night. I went home and I researched wine as a career. Mm. And found it to be fascinating and very multifaceted. And um, and I just – I went into – he had office hours the next day. And I went in and I said, so I'm going to tell the PGA Tour <laughs> that I am not going to be coming um, and working with them, that I am going to pursue wine as a career. And then he tells me about some courses that he was doing overseas. And then I called my father. <laughs> so I know I'm like, okay. So how does one get a internship or job at the, with the PGA Tour? How does that happen? There, there was, <laughs> there just so happened to be where they needed um, a bartender one time to do a, a to you know in one of the hospitality tents one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'll be that girl. <laughs> I made so much money, so much money. Like I said, I just made some connections and they were offering me an internship to work in hospitality. So to do more of setting up the hospitality tents for Cadillac and various organizations. I told I knew she had stories. Like, okay, so let's just continue. So you called your dad. So then I called my father. And I said, Dad, um, hi, I love you. Um, I need uh, $5,000 because I'm going to go to Spain and I'm going to go on a wine trip. And he goes, excuse me, what? (laughs) 
He's like, so I'm not getting those tickets. For exactly. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you're dead to me. I was like, gonna be balling on the PGA tour. So uh, he very reluctantly gave me the money, and I took um, went with the professor and a group of students um, to Spain. We traveled around, um, and we studied in Rioja, and then we ended up on Palma, in Mallorca. And um, it was an interesting class because it was all about wine and food pairing. Mm -hmm. And it was an interesting way because you were given the wines ahead of time, and you actually had to create a four-course lunch or a seven-course dinner around the wine. So the wine was the main ingredient. And still to this day, that's how I go around my dinner. Wine is the ingredient. What kind of wine do I want to show mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or pull out? So. so you were like, you're like, I invented niche niche. <laughs> <laughs> Getting people in trouble. <laughs> it's not a new concept. I was doing that in, on my Arca. <laughs> yeah, I was back in 2001. Have you done a niche niche yet? No. Oh, I'm coming to yours. <laughs> I'm coming. Be packed. <laughs> You and Joe harassing exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> Noonan, miss it. Noonan, miss it. Doing all catty sack. Oh, yeah. Just, just, oh, yeah. Uh, um, oh, my God. Like, so you you go from lemongrass and, 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 and cut grass and hay from the vineyard of uh, the manger with Jesus Christ to being in Rioja. Yep. <laughs> and I mean... Was that your first time going overseas as well? Yes. Wow. Yeah. How long of a trip was that? It was, let's see, it was about five to six weeks. Ooh, that's a good, yeah. It was a good chunk. A, 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 yeah, a little immersion. It was a good chunk. And I loved it so much, and I came back, and I was like, you know, like <laughs> spitting out all this kind of stuff with my parents, and my dad's just like, what happened? I just sent my daughter overseas to go eat and drink for a living, <laughs> and she's like, a whole different person. Um, and I said, and he's um, he's doing this same class in Australia. Um, so can I take it there? And he goes, well, only if, uh, you know, you round out the last semester, you know, with A's. I'm like, okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go to the bar I was like, yeah, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, I was like, that's like not really a challenge for you. <laughs> You're getting whole age, whole life. Yeah. But, you know, I like that he there was some accountability set up into it. All right. So did you take that trip down under? I did in 2002. Okay. And I actually went earlier with um, three of my college girlfriends. And because one of our um, – one of the girls that was on the trip is actually from Australia. And her family has a series of restaurants and hotels – and they actually have their own um, ranch in which they had 500 heads of cattle for to brand in their hotels and restaurants. So we went and pre-partied. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kangaroos are all over the side of the road. They're like deer here. Um, and we we went all over Bondi Beach, you know, Coffs Harbor. We are all Sydney pub crawl. Then they're done that. 
who's climbed the Darling Harbor Bridge, you know, with jumpsuit and maybe nothing underneath? Me. <laughs> did you go to any footy matches? Did you, did you go see some footy? No, I didn't. Okay, okay. So I know a few things about Australia. Didn't want to do things. Um, so what kind of like, what was that? Um, so what year was that? There's two, oh, two? Oh, two. Okay. So that's kind of like the height of big Aussie fruit bomb. Yeah. So how... How did food and wine pairing go with that trip? I mean, obviously, like I know now, we have John and Jane and people like there's there's Australia's talk about Australia wine culture because people think it's like new, but it's been around for a long time. It's been around for a long time, but like you said, it's gone through its ebbs and, and flows, and I it's definitely on its way back. Um, you know, back when I was there, it was. I mean, Marquis Phillips, it was, you know, the Velvet Glove, it was... All that Grateful Palette shit. Yeah. Everything was, was 15. If it was 15 for alcohol, it was kind of low. But when <laughs> but when it was also the Australian dollar was two to R1 then. So I thought of everything as 50% off. Yeah. So I went into wine stores and there was a wine store in Bondi Beach that I went to. And I went in and I'm like, do you have any Penfolds Grange? <laughs> and... And they're like, well, yes. You know, they looked at me like a young, what's this young woman coming in and asking about Penfolds Grange? And I uh, I ended up walking out with six bottles and paid $500. Shit. Why didn't you bring one of those? Because <laughs> I drank them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like ludicrous. Like what? Like, like one bottle. I would know. have been like 500 over here back then. I know. But that's, that's see that when you know, you know. Um, <clears throat> so like, yeah, so what What was, what like, what What do you pair with like, like, you know, the velvet glove? Like what, like what? It... I mean, uh, luckily I didn't pair anything with the velvet <laughs> glove because um, it's too hard. It's too big. It's too ripe. I mean, maybe a piece, like tiny little piece of dark chocolate with you know, some mm. compote, but, um, I was, my palate was definitely more towards that Penfolds Grange, but we studied in the Hunter Valley. And okay. so we focused on a lot of Semyon. Okay. And I actually had to make kangaroo tail soup. I was going to say like, I was like, what, what wine goes with kangaroo? I don't want to be facetious, but there's so many of them. They, I would, it would seem they would eat them because mm -hmm. it's it just, every, it's like, cause it's like venison. Yeah. I would think, yeah, it's like they're. But the, the tail, when we prepared it, it's it's the lean. I mean, obviously, it's a, a very, very lean meat. And so we just crisped it up like pancetta and bacon. And we put it on top of the soup. <clears throat> um, so um, <laughs> what else did you do? I, I, mean, I know there's something you're leaving out. Like, And then I met the prime minister of uh, Australia. Like, mm. Nope. Okay. I just just wanted didn't want to. It's like, eh, yeah, let's see. No. Gonna... <laughs> I gave you the bridge story. You did give me the bridge story. Um, all right. So obviously you have you have this. Uh, you have a passion. You have uh, a palate, and you have a penchant for this. Um, so then you start. Do you start formal certifications when you back? Like, what was it back after you returned from Australia? So I came back and I moved to Chicago and I started um, certifications. So I started with the International Sommelier Guild. 
um, and I took those classes downtown Chicago. Um, and I was working in clothing retail at the time because um, it was something that I had done in college, and it was just like easy. Um, and I learned a lot, um, but I knew Chicago wasn't a big enough city for me. <laughs> I love it. She's like, she's a cheesehead from Clintonville, yeah. Wisconsin. Like, this town ain't got nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, and I also had met someone. Okay. Um, so I had met someone from New York, and um, about six, seven months after that happened, um, I was moving out to New York. Um, but one of my professors at, with the International Sommelier Guild um, had a connection to Morel okay. um, in Rockefeller Center. Mm -hmm. And so I came, and they weren't ready for the position yet. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? Um, and, and again, I just met someone, and it was in a distributor in New Jersey, but I lasted three months. I couldn't stand it. It was like... It wasn't for me. It wasn't the right portfolio. It was like I was just too green. I mean, New Jersey, coming from... Jersey's a tough state. Jersey, my first my first night in New Jersey was Labor... No, not Labor Day. Um, leap Year. Okay. So it was February 29th of 2004, my very first night. My boyfriend had flown and we had driven across country... And we had to go pick up his car at Newark. Well, he had outstanding parking tickets. And he ended up getting thrown in jail while I had a cop take me around Newark to different um, ATMs to b get bail money. Because the ATMs would only give you a certain amount. And I had to go bail him out my very first night in New Jersey. So you got love for Jersey is what you're saying. <laughs> I got introduced in Newark really quick. <laughs> Um, so when did the position at Morel become available? What was that like? Cause that, I mean, cause like shit, I mean like, damn, like you were like, just to, I know it's connections and I, I know you now, but like, just to get a freaking job at Morel, like, Hey, I'm, I'm like, that's yeah. impressive. So it was the president of, um, the company, um, at the time and very quickly after I was hired, he then got let go. And so my the plan for me mm -hmm. then changed. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I worked in the retail store because they were actually going to be opening up a new retail location. Um, and I was to be a part of that. Um, but instead, they chose a man. Um, and yeah. So I worked at Morel. I, I met so many people. I mean, you never knew who was going to walk through the door. Mm -hmm. Um, and what you were going to sell. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when you work, I know in New York, probably someplace, but New York even more so than LA. Cause like people have to, you have to drive everywhere in LA. So like I had, uh, uh, Paul Wasserman on like, so he worked at, you know, Woodland Hills wine cover. So, but you got to go there, but of course, obviously, but like, like I said, you're in Rockefeller center, like just fucking. Yeah. Anybody could walk Anyone. in. Anyone. Yeah. You had people, like, you had tourists, then you would have, you know, celebrities that came in from off the Today Show or off of Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. or you, you just, you didn't know who was going to walk in the door. And then also, it's in that part of town, like, um, it's, you know, just, and then just 
like you just like bought like, <laughs> like 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 it's not like total wine like you balled out like you you're like high level wine like and then there's just the rich people who come in who buy futures or just want a bottle of drc i mean yeah. it's, it's just like and you never knew what kind of phone call you were going to take too i mean i know that i wiped out the entire tri-state out of three liters of vuv clico <laughs> for like the entire tri-state for a holiday gift and and everybody was like who is this girl? <laughs> like, like that's literally like who she like, like, like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I would have Dan Marino would come in a lot. Um, and he always liked his big cult cabs. Mm-hmm. And he came in one day when I was off and some of the guys that I was working with were like, so uh, somebody was in asking for you. I'm like, oh, who's that? They're like, oh, Dan Marino. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is it because I told him uh, Packers are – you know, it's where the Lombardi trophy came from, you know? <laughs> I was like, and, and I could just see you giving him shit. <laughs> I, I mean, there isn't a person I haven't given shit that's to. That's what I felt. That's true. So um, where did you go after uh, morale? So after morale um, – I I took actually some time off um, because morale was it was a challenge um, and it was a challenge just because I was I was in, you know I was a young white female um, and you know I had to get aggressive um, when it came to sales or you know hey like I'm I'm somebody too um, and so I took some time off and I laid on a beach. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I got a phone call from my my then boyfriend at the time, and, and he just happened to be one of his clients was the CFO of Merrill Lynch, who just so happened to be friends with a master of wine. And he said, um, you have a job next week. Get off the beach. <laughs> and uh, I've already booked your flight. You're coming home. I'm like, uh, okay, cool. Awesome. So then I met with Joe Bembry and Chris Cree and uh, sat down with them. And uh, I mean, that's where I learned so much and had so much fun. So how long were you at um, 56 degree? So I was at 56 um, until 2006 when I got a call. And I got a call um, from someone that I had been in that small distributor role that had passed along my resume. The down- place you were for three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had passed along my resume down to someone at Borgata because they were looking for an assistant wine director. And they're like, we know just the person. And I got a call and um, drove down, interviewed, and they offered me the position. <laughs> this is like... Okay, uh, just just a disclaimer. This is not your typical wine career. <laughs> For all you people listening, um, I'm not. I'm just saying. And everybody's seen some, and they, like, but like, you, you kind of like the M- Matthew McConaughey at Wine League. Talk like, like, nope, I didn't go to Hollywood. Struggle. Like, I got picked for this, and then like, went and rode motorcycles, and then I came back, and then I got an agent, and then you know. I, that was it, you know. Like he's like, I didn't have to do that Hollywood stuff. You know, like it's not, you know. So that's cool. So holy shit, you, <laughs> you, after you. So you, you just went down. I get it. Okay. So, oh my god. So like, 
What's that like? What is that like? Working at Borgata? Yeah. First of all, there's no windows. So you don't know, truly. And especially if you're at B-Bar. I don't even know if there's still B-Bar there. But you just, you didn't know what time of day it was. Um, But it was, I mean, I was there from 06 to 09. God. (laughs) And 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 obviously, you live down in South Jersey? I I did. Where'd you live? I lived in Brigantine. Oh. Yeah, it's windy as shit in Brigantine. Well, that whole area, because it's like like a barrier island. People like people don't even. I'm from New Jersey. I think I just started to understand how Jersey Jersey Shore like works. It's like these little barrier islands and all that shit. And like, it is it does, the wind does whip down, especially down that area. Yeah, it's actually windier than Chicago. <laughs> but yeah, Chicago's named the Windy City. Yeah, it's windy. Like I my. My condo was a block off the beach, and it was sounded cool at first. Like, I'm gonna block off the beach, yeah. and, and then when the wind went through, I'm like, oh my god, am, am I gonna go up like Auntie M, Auntie M? You know, is this like Wizard of Oz? So, but like, so again, you're like big time. So you're working with like, who did you work with down there? What type of work were you doing, and who were you doing it with and for? So I was assistant wine director, and there I oversaw the sommelier team. Um, and so there were um, there was a sommelier in every restaurant at that time. And so I had to know all of the seat table positions, all of the menus, all of the wine list um, in each of the fine dining locations, also knowing what wines were in the um, casual dining, the two nightclubs, and have to deal with um, events as well as the um, residents. So anyone that was a butler guest. Oh, yeah, there's stories. <laughs> you know, so like um, you were doing stuff for like Bobby Flay, Wolfgang Puck, right? So yeah, so, so Flay, um, Michael Mina, Wolfgang Puck, all three of those um, had – restaurants in the new wing. Then there was Old Homestead, Ombra, Specchio, eventually Izakaya came. Um, and so I I had to essentially help write the list and work with wine directors like Raj um, and the sommeliers. And um, we also had Wine Spectator Grand Tour come down and we hosted them twice. So partied with quite a few of James Mosworth and James Suckling, Bruce Sanderson. They're a fun crew. I'm going to leave that one alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a different time, different place, different industry. Um, Did you ever meet Bobby? What's it like to work with Bobby? Oh, Bobby. Yes, of course I met Bobby. Yeah, of course you did. (laughs) Bobby, actually, um, my last nine months when I was at Borgata, um, we had uh, our the sommeliers within Bobby Flay, they left. Um, and so Bobby's like, I want Brooke in my room. And there were two men formerly that were in that room. And the first night that I worked that room, there was like 950 covers. I was the only sommelier running around in heels, mind you, and a suit. And there's a huge 
wine cellar with a metal ladder. I think I've seen a picture of you somewhere in your heels. Yep, running up and down that ladder. And I did more sales than the two guys combined on a busy night. So Bobby's like, she's in my room permanently. (laughs) (laughs) How come you haven't been a guest on like uh, Beat Bobby Flair or anything? Like someone who who actually knows well who could take him down. Tequila can take him down. (laughs) I do know that for sure. Because I I, I could just see like you being very distracting and and annoying. (laughs) And knowing where the bodies are buried. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I ran into Bobby in D.C., um, at an oyster bar, and I was sitting at the bar minding my own business, and I look down, and Bobby walks in. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, I just turned the other way, and he's like, now I know I'm going to be here the rest of the night. <laughs> and my friend was like elbowing me. He's like, I think he's talking about you. And I'm like, I just want to drink my Fernet cocktail. <laughs> And so, yeah, we ended up closing down the place. But, um, yeah, so. This is who she is. (laughs) She knows everybody. (laughs) It's fun. But, you know, like working with such great talent there, you know, to be able to work with Raj. And whenever Raj came, Raj and I always hung out. Um, When I was, you know, sitting for any exams, he would come and blind taste me. But Raj Parr. He said to me after I did a flight of six, he's like, "Mm, line up a set for me. I'm like, okay. He's like, you can go anywhere. I'm like, perfect. Awesome. I'm like, give me a few hours. So I'm like pulling bottles. And I saw that man go six for six and nail down to producer. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, let's talk about blind tasting because it's very, you know, became very popular because of the movies, the Saw movies. Um, but when I was even working at Acker back in the 90s, like blind tasting has gone on for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, but um, like, what's it like? Like you said, like how, because you've seen some like, like, like how do people do that shit, man? Like how? I mean, like I could. I'm sure I could get grape, possibly region, but then you get the fucking producer. I've never seen that happen, other than Raj. Never have I seen that. I've never seen it in person, but they, it was in that the third psalm, the the where the guys like he knew exact because he he had been there. He like there's only one person in the world who makes Pinot Noir like this. And that's they were like holy like and they did like he nailed he nailed the like vineyard vintage producer like that's that's sick that I mean like because obviously this go back you have a great palate but like how to like to be able to get that information like because you're not tasting these wines on a regular basis no it's it's almost photographic memory yeah. or muscle memory. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when whenever I taste wine, I'm constantly like, oh, how is this developed? How? OK, so if there's a great glass of wine, let me see how it develops over the course of, you know, 
two hours. And whenever what whenever I was a sommelier and somebody came in, brought a ball or bottle, um, they would always extend a glass to me. And I would keep those glasses, and I would love to see how they developed. When I was at Borgata, there was a gentleman that used to come in all the time and order 90 Latosh. And one day, um, I got a call. He wants a, his bottle. I'm like, perfect. I walk over to the table. He's, I said, is there going to be two of you? He's like, bring two glasses. Okay. 90 Latosh. Perfect. Serve him. He hands me um, the glass back, hands me the bottle back, and he goes, I just wanted a glass. <laughs> and so it took that bottle. Of course, I called all the sommeliers after that. Um, you better boss than I am. <laughs> yeah. But I made, I made that glass last for a couple hours because I wanted to see how it evolved. So – there are people who listen to this who don't know, like, what, what, what's like a bottle? What was a bottle then? Of 90 Lagosh? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it was between four and $5,000. Yeah, so it's probably about 15000 at least now. Yeah, and we had a six liter of RC at Borgata, too, eighty and a six liter of 85 Sasakaya, which I sold <laughs> and drank. <laughs> Oh, man, it's hard being a, you know, wine director sometimes, you know, you know, um, you know what? We're going to we're going to um, take a quick break and we'll be back with more Brooke. Hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. I know you like podcasts because you're listening to one right now. If you want another one to check out, you will love where the wine takes you. It's Apostle Robles wine podcast hosted by Adam Montiel. And this podcast is all about the wines, winemakers, and stories of Paso Robles. It's available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to it on their website, PasoWine.com. P-A-S-O Wine.com. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I think you said you were at um, down in AC till 09? Till 09. Okay. And what had you leave this seems like, a, you know, I mean, besides the wind at your condo, I mean, other than that, it seemed like a pretty good gig. It was. I mean, there was challenges, of course, with any position. Mm -hmm. um, and I got another phone call. <laughs> and it just so happened to be both Joe and Chris um, within five minutes of each other. They both had the same ID. And they said, um, we know of a, a job. You'd be perfect for it. We've already recommended you, and they'll be calling you in an hour. And I said, okay, can you tell me about what the position is? And they said, um, it's a new resort that's opening up that Richard Branson's involved in. And I said, okay. So I drove up, and I met with them. And in, when, in the conference room, when I met with Bob Wurwitz, um, there was a picture and it was a picture of Ombra's wine cellar on his inspiration board. And he said, he, I said, oh, that's Ombra. I actually um, regridded out the entire Borgata wine cellar and I started with Ombra. And he's like, how do you, wait, I saw you taking inventory and you were the inspiration for the wine cellar at Nadarar. And it was like instantly like, 
I'm home. <laughs> Where were you born? With a horseshoe up your ass? <laughs> <laughs> Brooke Unicorn Stable. <laughs> you should have played the lottery a long time ago. <laughs> I'm calling you for some numbers. <laughs> well, I mean, the few things I can't control, Mother Nature, FedEx shipping, and... And New Jersey Transit Train. <laughs> well, I made it on time. This time. <laughs> Um. Oh my God! So let's recap these phone calls you got. <laughs> you just got a phone. Yeah. So call. basically, since two thousand and three, mm-hmm. I've never had to look for a job. The jobs have always found me. Well, there's a book called "So Good They Can't Ignore You," and I think that um, applies to you for sure. Um, okay, so Richard Fucking Branson. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that story goes, Bob Wodowitz went down. Um, he had made his money in insurance. Um, and he went down to Necker Island on his 40th birthday. And he knew of the property. And he had a vision to transform the property into a luxury resort. And from that, then um, he proposed the idea to Richard. And on a handshake deal, he agreed to partner. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about <clears throat> this property, uh, Natterer, which um, when we were warming up, when you know, you're like that's Raritan spelled backwards. Because mm-hmm. um, the Raritan River, flows. the Raritan River. I know I'm from Jersey. Raritan River runs through, goes out, dumps into Sandy Hook Bay. Um, cuts is near Rutgers, cuts up that whole, that Bound Brook area, blah, blah. I know. Come on now. I'm from Jersey. Be like you not knowing something about Wisconsin. Um, but I just think it's very funny because you just spell it backwards. Like, it's like Evian. It's like naive spell backwards, right? <laughs> People buy the shit out of it, right? So what was, what was this property? So what was this, uh, what, how big was the property and... So the property was actually 500 acres in total, and it was actually formerly owned by the Macy family, not the Macy's department store, but the shipping and whaling um, uh, section. I thought it was like the William H. Macy family of Fargo fame. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. So um, it was actually Kate Macy and her husband, Walter Ladd, that built a 33,000 square foot mansion for two people in 1912. They don't like each other. Well, they were a very philanthropic couple. They were a barren couple. And so they turned their home into a convalescent home for people to stay um, free of charge. And it had to remain a convalescent home for up to 50 years um, after both of them passed. And the reason why there's the PPAC train station is because of not only that property, but an even bigger property behind, which is called Blairsden, which is 66,000 square feet. Um, so yeah, so there's this huge, gorgeous um, mansion on site, and then the restaurant was actually going was in the former stables mm-hmm. and carriage house, <clears throat> um, and so that was eleven thousand square feet, and so they they had to redo and rebuild out. Um, you know, they added a glass room, which was the kitchen, 
The cooking school was in the former garage. There's a 14-acre farm that the chefs could source ingredients from. Um, it's it's crazy. So they we transformed the mansion into a vent space. Okay. And then um, I ran the wine for the property. So, and you were actually the inspiration for it. What was it like to actually? Was that the first time you like you built out a wine cellar? From the from scratch from scratch, mm -hmm. and um, one of my main focuses was Kathy Corson. I actually had four pages of Kathy Corson wines. I had the largest collection of her wines outside of the winery, um, and so when I was at the twenty five her twenty five year tasting um, at Skernik, she we had a great lunch there, and she's like, "There's somebody here that actually knows my wines just as intimately as I do," and that's Brooke. Because I, every time I would go out to Napa, she would blind me. And so then, of course, she would have to be my first winemaker dinner when I was there. And, yeah, it was fun. Um, how much uh, – what was your budget? How much money did you put into that um, wine cellar? There, there was quite a bit. Um, it was under a million. It wasn't anything super, super crazy, but it was all wines that I truly loved um, and focusing on that small production, boutique, sustainable, organic, biodynamic, focusing on the farming. So why, well, let's talk about that. <clears throat> so how did you get um, so passionate about sustainable, organic, biodynamic, and small production wines? Like, you know, how did that happen from 2002 till? That goes back to my time with... Chris and Joe. Okay. Um, and learning because Morel, I had worked with more national brands mm -hmm. um, and I saw a different world with 56 and really understanding that it's about producer and it's about leaving the soil in a better condition, which you found it, and leaving it for other generations. Um, and so I wanted to bring that back. Um, and so I, I made it a point of stating on the wine list whether something was sustainable, organic, or biodynamic, and also vegan. And that was back in 2009. It was a tome of a book <laughs> of a wine list. What was like, uh, what were some of like the standout bottles you would say, like, like prize bottles? Like, obviously, you know, the Corazon stuff, but like. Jackie Trucheau, 05s. Um, I had, you know, this last great vintage. Um, I mean, there was there were so many. Um, a lot of champagne because I do love my bubbles. Um, anything from Barash to Vintage Krug. Um, you know, it just it, there was there wasn't any big baller bottles other than Russo and the Jackie True shows. And I I had a lot of great Bordeaux, a lot of great Rhone. Um, but I was spread out throughout the entire world in terms of um, regionality. And so, um, you know, we're going to talk about it because you, you put it out there on your Instagram. She's like, just want to say congratulations to my good friend making it to space. She a little picture of her, like her, her, her bikini on the beach at Necker Island. <laughs> How did you get to Necker Island? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like literally, it's like, it's like, you know, we're talking, that's a finite number of people get yeah. that invite. So that story <laughs> on how I got, well, first, before I got to Necker, um, when we had our big kickoff party, mm -hmm. 
Richard came, and we had about 250, 300 people there. And <laughs> Richard's like, okay, so tell me about all these bottles. And, and we were down in the wine cellar, and everybody leaves and goes upstairs, and the door shuts, and Richard and I are locked in the wine cellar <laughs> because the sensor on the door stopped working and like there was speeches being made upstairs and and bob's like wait where's 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 richard Richard?" (laughs) and then people are like wait where's brooke (laughs) and richard's like we we were down there for 10 minutes and you know we we just had this (laughs) hilarious conversation and it was let me tell you it was also a great inspirational conversation too about the pursuit of goals and dreams um mm. and come know, on break us break us off some like nuggets because you know like he, i need some inspiration right now shit yeah he said you know the biggest thing and the hardest thing for us to do when whenever we set out for a big goal or a big dream is taking that first step and believing in yourself and just you can't go back you got to con- just continue forward the only way out is through mm-hmm. and he always always remembered something about someone mm. you know mm-hmm. one thing mm-hmm. so it's just it's crazy for him to to walk through the restaurant and remember one thing about each person yeah i think people like that are really special you know um you know, uh, they just can connect very quickly and they remember, you know, um, and that's not common. Do we live, like you said, warming up, you know, um, people you remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Um, but, but most people we live, but it can be done in an in, in authentic way, but like literally for someone of that stature to, you know, remember something about somebody. I mean, that's just like, shit, look at your life, girl. Damn. <clears throat> Um, locked in the wine cellar at Richard Branson and he just, you know, gave her, you know, his Sir Richard talk. <laughs> yeah, it was like I had my own personal TED talk. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, it's like Richard Branson is my life coach. <laughs> Speed life coaching. <laughs> oh, we should do a show. Speed life coaching in the cellar with Brooke and Richard. Sir Richard. <laughs> That'd be fun. Bring champagne. He loves it. Okay. Good to know. Um, and so, um, <laughs> uh, so you guys, you get this incredible just talk with this just badass dude. Just, just kind of, I don't even know what to say because I, I don't think I've even been like that kind of level of achievement. And I've been around some. You know, I'm here with you, so I got something going on. Um, but like, you know, that's like some some high level achievement. Um, so then. Um, how did you get the invite? Like, uh, what were you doing down there? Were you, did you do wine stuff for him? It was just a party. He's like, Brooke is super, she's such an amazing young woman. You know. For when I went to down to Necker? Necker? Yeah. <clears throat> so I went down to Necker um, by the graciousness of someone. Um, I had done something nice for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he had a charter school that he founded, and I did his first fundraiser. And we raised $250,000 for his charter school. She fucking raises money for charter schools. They're going to be a shrine to you one day. 
So Saint Brooke <laughs> of the wine business. <laughs> that's why when God sees me at heaven, he'll be like, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had many close calls. <laughs> I'm like, is it my time yet? <laughs> yeah, you're like, God, if you're listening, hell. <laughs> Give you a little Chappelle he's like, he's like, nope. <laughs> Another 45 years. <laughs> um, so so I was gifted a trip down to Necker. Okay. Um, and yeah, I went down with, um, ironically, it was around my 40th birthday. <laughs> of course. And uh, so I went down with a bunch of my friends and uh, we partied. <laughs> And I didn't get locked in a cellar with Richard, but Richard showed me the cellars that he had all of his team okay. in the cellars when the hurricane came through. Oh, I'd heard about that. Because the hurricane came through and the eye of the hurricane was right above Necker. And he had just reopened Necker um, because of the storm. He had lost everything. He had lost his all the trees. He had there was a lot of damage to the structures. But the only thing in the main house that was still standing and still intact was this glass table, and right above it is the disco ball. <laughs> so he said, "Always remember that even in a shit storm." You got a fucking party on the table. <laughs> so there's that. There's that. <clears throat> but yeah, I went down into the cellar and um, there's two cellars and, mm -hmm. and picked out bottles for, for the evening. And, um, you know, he had me pull out some bottles and, and then, you know, he and I sat and we drank. And one of the bottles, he, he said, he's like, oh, I'm going to have to replace that one before someone comes back. And I'm like, oh, is it, was it for someone or somebody requested it? Or he's like, oh, that's Brock's bottle. <laughs> and what was it? PYCM. Really? He's, yeah. a, he's a PYCM? Yeah. Shoshana Polini? It was uh, San Oban, actually. I was going to say, because, you know, shit. Good to know from when... President Obama finally makes his way here. To the black manga. Yep, exactly. Harmon, I'm coming from, just coming, picking. Make right. it happen, Harmon. I'm, I'm just coming right to you guys for the wine. <laughs> Big shout out to you. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's kind of crazy. Um, so who else have you had wine with? Bruce Springsteen, you know, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, you know, who else have you? So... Um, there was a gentleman that used to come down to Borgata um, often and do stand-up, um, and he and I became good friends. Um, so whenever he was in town, I'd always get the call. Um, and it was Billy Crystal, and Billy Crystal loves his Bordeaux. Okay. And I got um, I got a call one night, and I it was the senior VP of ops, and he said, Brooke. You're wanted down in the private dining room, and you're off the clock. And I'm like, oh, somebody wants me to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk in, and I, all of a sudden I see, Brucky! <laughs> and it's Billy Crystal at the end. And um, so he and I are talking. We're chit-chatting. And he, he's like, well, what are we drinking? I'm like, 86 Margot? 
He's like, okay. <laughs> and so he was seated at the head of the table and mm-hmm. I was to his left. And there was a seat open that was next to me. And I went and decanted it, brought the glasses over. And all of a sudden, he and I are talking like this. And somebody pulls up next to me. And he's like, what am I, chopped liver? And it was Robin Williams. And that was the fourth time I've actually met Robin Williams. And that was the last time I saw him. Mm. And so I got to share a bottle of wine, an 86 Margot, with Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. Okay. So why did you leave this job again? Um, it, it, I wanted windows. I wanted to see the light. I wanted a new challenge. Okay. Um, also you had, oh eight, you had the market crash. Yep, and so you weren't getting in the, the people buying the baller bottles necessarily sure, anymore. Sure. So it, it just, it was a pivot for me and I was looking to, to go elsewhere. But job found me. All right. So then um, what did you do after Natterer? So when I was at Natterer, I was um, doing some consulting for a hotel f- group. And um, and I was talking to some friends of mine. And I said, oh, I think I'm, think I'm ready to hang up, the, hang up the restaurant hat. Kind of, I want my nights. I want my weekends. I'm getting old. Um, and I got a phone call. (laughs) I need a job. Ring. Just like straight from Brooke's mouth to God's ears to the phone. Yeah. So I got a phone call from my friend Ian Doran and he said, um, so I just was talking to Gary Fish and he is needing a wine director and I think you're perfect for it. And, um, if you're interested, um, I'm going to tell him you're interested. And Gary immediately called and he's like, wait, you're going to leave Natterar? You would actually consider coming to retail. And I said, Gary, you have to remember I'm coming back to retail because I was at Morel, mm-hmm. 56. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one, qu- one, one interview and I had the job. So... Um... There's probably a lot of people who don't know Gary's. Tell people about Gary's and what a director of wine does for a place like that. So uh, Gary's Wine and Marketplace. So we have four locations in New Jersey um, and one uh, most recently that we acquired in uh, October of 2019 is when we opened our St. Helena location. So we took over the former Dean and DeLuca next to Press. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our, our fifth location. Um, so Gary Fish um, has been in the industry um, for 40 plus years. Um, And he started off as a retail, um, a a wine salesman for Fedway for, you know, larger distributor. And he started a small retail shop with his brother um, and then started to slowly then build up his empire. And so for um, my role, what I do is I'm the head buyer. So I oversee um, a buying team. So I have a new Spanish and Portuguese buyer. Um, I have an Italian buyer. And I have a gentleman that does my Bordeaux and Rosé and our direct imports. Um, I have a spirit team, a beer team. Um, And so then I buy everything else. 
And I work with Gary on private labels. I do blends with him um, and focus and working with winemakers. And we have a number of different private label wines that we do. Um, and I go out to auction with him and we put up paddles and buy bottles for Premier Napa Valley and Oregon, Sonoma. I travel. <coughs> I eat cheese. <laughs> I educate the staff. I have fun. Yeah. <clears throat> What's it I like? Sell to collectors. Yeah, Jesus. Um, how is it? Um, What's it like when? Because I had Harmon on. I talked about like it's pretty badass when you can move east to west. Like what? What was that like? Like, and and it was the Dean and Lucas right next to Press Napa Valley, which has like some of the, which is the largest collection of California old vintages. Like, how 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 did people pull that shit off? I'm such an underachiever. Well, we knew that because um, we had been out for Premier Napa Valley um, in February. Okay. And we knew that um, what you walked in the building, and Dean DeLuca was like crickets. You know, I mean, the shelves were empty. It was. People were still getting coffee, but the wine shelves were empty. And it was so sad. I mean, that's an iconic mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. um, and we learned that it was going to be on the market. And so snatch that up real quick. And what's been the response to like, you know, because like, because well, like, like it's, I mean, and it's Napa, but still it's a small community. Like, you know, like, like what's a... Well, I mean, this is the first year that we've actually had doors open. True, Because true. we opened in October of 2019. We opened October 4th, I believe. Um, and then we quickly had to close. Yep, grand opening, grand closing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. And then you had COVID. And then you had fires. And it just, it, it was a real challenge. Um, and Gary was virtually stuck. I mean, he came back in March, the week of when everything started shutting down. When we were like, so, oh shit, this shit is kind of yeah. real. So he came back to New Jersey and, and stayed put. And um, it, 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 that store has had its share of challenges um, for sure. And now with dealing with supply chain and labor shortages, it's, it's, it's not easy with that store, but it's also doing tremendously well. So yeah, so you're you're a a director of wine and five locations. Um, you guys ship nationwide, pretty much. Yeah. Um, how have you been affected? Like, what's what's going on with this supply chain shit? <sighs> I mean, getting product. Is is a challenge, um, you know, just the champagne. Yeah, talk like an like example. Because I mean, I don't think people are really getting well. So I knew. Damn. <laughs> what we crushed it? No, we didn't crush it. I was just. I mean, I know it's expensive, but I saw the bottle. I was like, damn, nice bottle of wine. I know, I know the wine, but just some. Usually, people don't leave a sticker on. It's like. Oh shit! There's a stick. Oh shit! Love you, MJ. <laughs> Love you too, girl. <laughs> um, yeah. Talk about like some of the challenges 
that uh, you're facing now uh, as we move in, as we're, we're at the end of Q4, but it's also the time most alcohol and liquor sales happen is, is, is fourth quarter because Thanksgiving, you know, it's like from September on is when this, for the, you know, for people who don't know, like obviously a lot of you buy, we buy wine, we buy all the time, but like in retail setting, it's, it's September through the end of the year is like when. It's bananas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I started stockpiling back in August. Okay. Cause I saw what, what could possibly happen. And so I was just, I was buying as much as humanly possible. And I'm like, we'll find a place to put it. Um, and now, I mean, we're looking at possibly running out of all the LVMH products. Um, you know, be a cart, it's, we got a lion's share. But I mean, it, now more than ever, it's like, <gasps> grower producers, now is the time to shine and, and have, show affordability and also terroir, and here's like here's some awesome juice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's let's run through. Let's have some fun with Brooke. Let's run through like where were you? You was with Joe a couple weeks ago. <laughs> what, what kind of stupid bottles did y'all pull out? You're like just getting together with friends. <laughs> that's that's why um, Joe, Patrick, and I all both needed. We all need Barocca the next Thank day. Thank you for the gift, by the way. You're she welcome. brought me some Barocca. Um, yeah, not many people know about Barocca. I didn't know about Barocca. I tried that uh, some one other one of the other shits uh, with the prickly pear juice. Supposedly, you know, I was like Barocca. Yeah. Half tablet, see, great full tablet when it's like a banger of a night. <laughs> a Joe Bembry night. <laughs> <laughs> Barocca, B-E-R-O-C-C-A. You can find it at Walgreens, CVS, and Amazon subscription. Trust, Wait, no. trust me, it makes a great stocking stuffer. It's great even if you haven't drank before, like drank the night before, I mean, um, just if you're feeling like off. It's great. It's so, with the electrolytes. We want to thank uh, Barocca for this sponsor. This episode. Like, you know, I'm not sponsored. I, I should be. I know. I'm like, shit. It was great. You think CVS owes you, Walgreens, they all owe you. And clearly, she's saving 5% because she clips it. She's got the Amazon subscription. <laughs> Stocking stuffers. <laughs> all of my friends are like, yo, uh, do you need my stocking stuffer gift? I'll take some more Barocca. <laughs> um, so, so getting back to Joe. Yeah. So like I, I know, I like 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 there's people who like I drink okay, you know, and then I you know because I I have a very California pal. I'm not gonna lie, um, which I'm fine with, but like. But like I like see like shit like you're like, and then we had this white burgundy, and we had this like 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 what what was that? And like just run just run it down for some people who like, because we're you know we're at the end of the year and like maybe people want some some special bottles, but like these are just like I'm getting together with friends and we all know wine. Like kind of like like where do you start? Where do you start with champagne? Then where do you go to white burgundy? And if you go to California, is it the Ceratot? Like what? Come on. Well, we we like to. With my group of friends and, you know, with Joe, um, we focus on, you know, uh, either somebody's got a baller bottle that they want to break out and like that that particular evening, that bender, um, <clears throat> that was Joe wanted to pull out Trucho. 
Um, and so that that was the whole reason for us getting together. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll bring some stuff. And um, I'm like, do we do champagne? Do we do Chablis? Do we do Weyberg? Like, what's the theme? The theme is just like, let's ball out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we've had themes where I brought, you know, for example, I'm like, I have all this, you know, kick-ass Syrah. Like, I love Syrah. Um, and why? I want to eat lamb, but I want somebody else to cook it. <laughs> So Patrick and Joe were like, okay, well, let's get together. And I'm like, it's a Casey Ross And we did it um, the Sunday after the election okay. in Patrick's uh, backyard. And um, we did courses. We did lamb meatballs, lamb shanks, and lamb burgers and just balled out on Klopp and Shaw Vermitage, 82 La Chapelle. You know, the bottles are meant to be shared yeah. with great friends, great people, like people that enjoy and just a conversation. So I mentioned we met at the Magnum party and then like, like, this is just like, this is like now I'm, I know more about her because I've been talking to her for a little few minutes here. Um, tell everybody what you rolled in that one with. Oh, I've, so it was a magnum party. You had to bring a a magnum. Yeah, and everybody's like bringing you know super culty stuff. I mean, I'm shocked that there was only one bottle of bubbles. By the way, I think we all were. Um, that was a killer bottle, though, and that yeah. was like you know yeah. that was like she, you know that was I don't know how she even got that one. Like, yeah. Robert was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait, whoa, you're taking out the Savoy? Like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. <laughs> No, I rolled in with the uh, Conterno Barbera 06 mag. I fucking love Barbera. And then Conterno, and then out of a mag. Yeah, it was it was pretty on point it that night. It was. I sat right next to her. I'm like, do you have to smash your wine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I was like, what did I bring? Okay, yeah, I remember what I brought. I was, out of mag, it was like, oh, it was like a... You brought Raimi. Yeah, you? it was an old Raimi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a... 2000 or 204 i think it was 04 it was 04 ramey richie yep and a mac That's... and it was immaculate yeah it was beautiful i i you know and i bought i bought that at retail i didn't i know i didn't and i and it was fortunately it had been stored well when i and i laid it down i had had it for two years i was like i don't know how it's gonna be but like i was like oh shit this is fucking good shout out to dave ramey Ugh. making some great chardonnay and and that party <clears throat> I need to buy more Magnums. It's really talk about that. Like, what, what's why is Magnum so special? Magnum show you care. Because <laughs> wouldn't you rather be drunk than thirsty? Yes, I, I think I had to think about that. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Now they, there's just so much complexity and involvement that happens in a Magnum, and it takes a little bit longer. So you got to be even more patient. But you can find some fun, cool stuff and not crazy prices. No, I know. Like Beaujolais out of Magnum is yeah. dope. I've been I've been peeping some of that, but and also, but there's bigger bottles. But do you think what, what's what when bottle size? Do you think Magnum is just like the right size? It is. Because like those bottles so, where you need like a crane to pour them, like that's yeah. Three liter, six liter, 27 liter I've opened once. And that was just like impossible. <laughs> that took like four of us. <laughs> I was like, how in the fuck are we going to open this? The rest of us were like, that was a big ass bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so um, we're 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 coming up. You know, we got some time, but let's let's start talking about like we were talking about fun stuff. So like. What was like that 27 liter? What was that bottle? What was that a bottle? Flacinello. It was Fontori Flacinello. I don't even remember the cost. I, all I know is that this gentleman bought like mags, three liters, six liters. It's crazy. Um, we mentioned uh, 90, Latash. What's, 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 like, what's like the most... You What's know. in my top 10 bottles? Yeah, yeah, MJ? yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your top 10 bottles? Um because this is like this is like some whole other level shit about to happen right here. Okay, okay, okay. Um so in my lineup um is um Freddie Mounier Mousini 17 out of barrel. I literally cried when I tasted that with Peter Wasserman and Freddie. And I'm like, <laughs> Freddie was generous that day too. And he poured me three ounces. And I was like sitting there, I was smelling, I'm crying. And he goes back and he thieves more. And I'm like, <gasps> she's like, Freddie, you just <clears throat> took me to church. I just, I, I, when my mind's like, I could hear like just in the cell, like Ave Maria started playing. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's the tears <laughs> streaming down your face. I'm like, <laughs> Church, church, <laughs> preach. Um, yeah, ninety Krug. Oh, I've uh, had ninety Krug. Yeah. That's a winner. Eighteen seventy-five Bual Madeira. I haven't had that one. Sixty-eight Vega Cecilia Unico. Now, see, that's there's like only like a couple. There's like, there's like maybe a three or four wines in sixty-eight because I'm born in sixty-eight. The Vega is the king. Mr. Kevin Zelly did bring me. I know. 68. I, that, and it, it was so good. It was like the only California wine that was good that year. And it was like, it was Heights Martha's, eucalyptus, dark fruit, leather. It was, it was I couldn't believe that wine. Was, I couldn't believe it was 53 years old. I could not believe it. It was so good. So, but the Vega, I mean, that's, that thing will last another hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. I've had uh, first year Opus, 79 Opus, okay, um, which we tasted against um, a bunch of 79 Bordeaux and with my sommelier friends for my 40th. And we still talk about that bottle. Um, and I got another one from Michael Salachi. So, <laughs> yeah. That's how I roll. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, 79 Claude Menil. Mm-hmm. And 47 Petrus. Mm. I might have had that, but it was so long ago. And where am and I at? I'm 66 Romani Conti. Mm. So, a few. 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 Um, <clears throat> so, what are you doing for the holidays? Like, what are you doing? What, like, what wines are you drink? You go home. You go home for the holiday, or what are you? Doing? I'm driving down to Florida to see my parents. Home is now Florida. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Snowbirds. Um, and I'm driving because I don't want to have to deal with any of the holiday traffic, like in airports oh and canceled God. flights. And I know I, I was going to go to Santa Barbara for Thanksgiving, and I was like, then it was like two weeks before. I was like, it's like holy shit, I canceled like fifteen hundred flights. I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. I do not want to be stuck in an airport. You know, but I wasn't driving to California, but I didn't want to be stuck in an airport. So I hear you. And I mean, you know, just drive down, just cruise down. So 
so here's this big wine director buyer um what's the word wonderkin unicorn um do you have you have you upped your parents wine game like uh my mother um definitely loves her krug <laughs> mhm um so she she happily enjoys that and my father really doesn't drink okay. um much anymore so and and do you usually bring the bottles down or um have them shipped or well, yeah shipped. but that's right since, you can have since, them shipped <laughs> yeah but why pay for shipping when Plus, I might get thirsty, you know, in the hotel room. I'm also packing caviar, <laughs> some spotted cow beer, which I still owe Patrick Capiello his beer. Oh, for what? Uh, because he asked for some. Oh man, you know, I know yeah, people. We make, we, I know, we make dumb bets all the time. Sometimes. Oh, I've, I, I run my mouth. So I was gonna say, like, <laughs> I had to bring back a whole carload of spotted cow beer when I came back from Wisconsin last year, um, and send it out to a bunch of winemakers. So I don't even, tell me. I don't. I've never even heard. See, I, New I, Glarus Brewing Company. You can only get the beer. It's look. It's a crushable beer it's nothing fancy it's just a simple easy to drink beer that just goes down so i mean it's like the pliny the elder of like wisconsin is like it's just like you can't get it you so can't. so people want it yeah fucking wine people we're so funny i got like a 75 dollar bottle of cider from Grand crew like why do we find a fucking 75 bottle of fucking cider we do <laughs> <It's like me>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> All right, so I want some spotted cow beer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I want a sixer. Done. Good, good. I've, good, good. I've got cases still. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in luck. Awesome. We'll, we'll crush some with Bembrys. Awesome, awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll tell you about that when we're done. Um, so through, through this whole journey, though, like what was – besides the professor – Saying, you know, who are you? Are you Brooke Rothschild? Like, how do you know as much wine? Like, like, was there a bottle of wine that just fucking blew your mind? Like, I mean, you said, it's like, I can make a living. But like, when, like, what, like, what was that first? Um, Aha bottle? Yeah, that first Ave Maria moment. Like, you're like. <clears throat> um, I remember it being a um, Alsatian Gewürztraminer. And I... I don't remember the producer. Mm -hmm. um, I just remember it was like, what is this? Okay, this is fun. You know, it's it's different. It's got so much aromatics and so much complexity. And, of course, we had it with cheese and some honey. Um, and that was just the bottle that just got me hooked. And so when the professor's like, oh, so what grape would you be? I'm like, I'm like a verstraminer. I'm sweet and spicy. <laughs> I'm also a Gemini that has an alter ego name. Simone. Yes, Simone. Simone. Mm -hmm. Oh, the twins. Oh. Yep. Yes. And you all and everyone, all of my friends know when Simone comes out, they're like, oh, wow, she's out. Hide your children. <laughs> hide, hide your bottles. <laughs> so when I throw a party, people know that they uh, they have to um, have drivers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Simone throws some parties. 
Oh, my God. Well, Brooke, Simone, I could talk to you even longer, but, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're going to wrap it up here. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. When Simone throws a party, you need a driver. I think we're not right here. Um, but um, tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. You can tell them about Gary. Like, what's 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 going on here? Sure. So um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Brooke Sobel. And um, you can also find me at Gary's Wine and Marketplace. Um, any one of the locations, feel free to email me. Um, but yeah, Gary's Wine. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke Sabel, and I've been saying her name wrong. Ever you know, I don't ever correct anybody because <clears throat> I'm just like. I mean, Sable's sexy, right? It's like Sable. Yeah. Like, that's a Sable. Yeah. You know. I mean, they're. But you're from Wisconsin. Kind of like, yeah, it should be Sable. Now it it's all makes German. sense. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, that's like Wisconsin. Sable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh my God. So much fun. We'll have you back on. You'll have you back on for sure. We'll find some other shit to talk about. Um, oh yeah. There's stories. I know. She held back. I did. I know. I gave you some. You gave me some. <laughs> Everybody. Brooke Sobel. Until next time. Cheers to the Mavericks, philosophers, deep thinkers, and all you wine drinkers. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. 